This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to the preview podcast to look ahead to Liverpool's Champions League clash with Napoli. James Pearce is in Naples to cover the match for the Echo this evening and I spoke to our Liverpool FC correspondent before Jurgen Klopp's press conference last night. We talk Klopp's and Liverpool's last visits to the Stadio San Paolo, whether the Reds boss will ring the changes with a massive Premier League match at Manchester City to come on Sunday and why the locals don't seem to be taking to Carlo Ancelotti. Ancelotti took over Napoli in the summer after Maurizio Sarri left to take charge of Chelsea. And I found out how the manager Liverpool have both defeated and lost to in Champions League finals is getting on with Naples-based journalist Marco Giordano. I also spoke to Italian football expert John Solano about Napoli, Alison Becker, Mohamed Salah and to take a broader look at the current strength of Serie A. But we'll start by hearing from James Pearce. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi James, thanks for joining me from Naples before Jurgen Klopp's pre-match press conference. Uh, how is it over there? Hi Paul, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's been a, a, a warm, pleasant afternoon actually in, in Naples. Uh, yeah, just my first trip to the Stadio San Paolo um, and uh, you know, it's very quiet and empty at the moment but uh, I think it's fair to say it'll be, uh, it'll be very different come, uh, come Wednesday night because uh, you know, this is well known as one of the the most hostile environments in uh, in European football, and um, yeah, you can you can see even though it's empty at the moment, you you it's uh, you can you can imagine what it's what it's going to feel like uh, come kick off uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I've been reading one of your pieces on the website today about Jurgen Klopp's uh, last visit to the ground. <laughs> Didn't go too well for him, did it? I'm sure he'll want that to change on Wednesday night. Yeah, it was a two-one defeat with Dortmund uh, five years ago now in the uh, in the group stage, and I think uh, yeah, I think people obviously will remember the the footage of him uh, screaming in the face of the fourth <laughs> official. I think at the, at the time he was furious that one of his players hadn't been allowed back on the field quickly enough after being treated for an injury, and and uh, Gonzalo Higuain ended up ended up scoring while the player was off, and. And uh, yeah, he ended up getting sent off and having to watch the last hour of the game on a on a monitor in the stadium. Um, but uh, you know, in typical Klopp fashion, I think it was straight after the final whistle that night, he held his hands up and branded his behaviour as pathetic and apologised to everyone. And um, you know, I think he has he has uh, he's chilled out a fair bit. I think since then, we've seen um, you know that that burning will to win still remains the same. But um, I think he's able to keep his emotions in check a little bit better when. Uh, when, he, when, it, when things aren't going his way, and you know he'll, I'm sure he'll be reinforcing to the players the importance of, of keeping their heads, um, you know, amidst what's going to be an absolutely white hot atmosphere on Wednesday night. Yeah, like myself and probably so many people can't wait for it. But, but how, how does Jurgen Klopp approach this game? Because you know it's sandwiched between these two massive matches in the Premier League. You know, does he make changes? Do you think and and prioritise City on Sunday or? Did you try and continue the momentum of, of what we've seen so far this season? Yeah, I, I don't envisage him making many, if any, changes. I think probably the most likely one would be, you know, does he find room for Naby Keita in his midfield? You know, that would be, if he's looking for a fresh pair of legs and an injection of energy, that would probably be the most the most likely one. Um, you know, of course, he could potentially rest one of the centre-halves, but then you just think, you know, what they... Van Dijk and Gomez have got such a good thing going on at the moment. You know why? You know why? Why change it if they're if they're both 
fit and, and healthy. So um, this is a massive game for Liverpool in the context of the group stage because obviously they got off to a flyer on match day one with that thrilling 3-2 win over PSG. Um, and I think, you know, if they can... If, if they well, a, a draw here would certainly be a decent result tomorrow night. But if they can win, you know they've essentially got one foot in the knockout stages already. Because you know if you take six points from those first two, and then you've got back to back games against Red Star Belgrade, um, you know you could you, Liverpool could, could could conceivably find themselves in the position where they've got twelve points with two with two games to go in the group, and you know that that is usually more than good enough to get yourselves into the. Uh, to the knockout stages, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I would be amazed if he picked a team with Man City in mind, just because this is this is such a big game, and I think also, you know, there's a when Wednesday to Sunday, you know, I think there's a decent amount of recovery time there, um, so I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that will be part of his thinking. Yeah, Daniel Sturridge. Do you think he's close to to making a start, if not tomorrow, in in future games, given him what he's doing lately off the bench? Yeah, I think it's an awkward one. I think I think Klopp touched upon it the the other night at Stamford Bridge when he he said, you know, the next step for Daniel is been able to produce a performance of real intensity over 70, 80, 90 minutes because we haven't seen that from him yet this season. It's been brilliant to see him his resurgence, um, but you know, it has mainly been as as an impact player or player off the bench. I think he's only started two out of nine games in all competitions so far. I think Camino is so important in Liverpool play. Uh, you know, especially you could almost make an argument for, you know, does he even think about giving Salah a breather on Wednesday night? But then I just think, you know, that 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 front three have done so much damage um, in the Champions League last season. We know how dangerous they are with their pace and movement, especially on the counter attack. And uh, I'd, I'd be amazed if he if he tinkered with that here on Wednesday night. Yeah, just one final one before I let you go, mate. Uh... We've all had a bit of a joke about the the Liverpool lineup that was was playing against Napoli the last time in in Italy. I think eight years ago now. But all joking aside, this underline just what a great job Jurgen Klopp's done when you you see the squad that he's now assembled. It does, yeah. And I think I think you probably go back even before Klopp with you know it's that that game here eight years ago. You know, was was around the same time as the the club was taken over by Fenway Sports Group and. When you think where the club was then, both on and off the pitch, um, you know, they had a manager who who had no kind of connection whatsoever with the supporters. They had a, a squad of players where there was a real dearth of quality. Players nowhere near good enough to represent the club were, were playing regularly, like Kaczewski and Paulson and Jovanovic. Uh, and you know, also that that was in the Europa League. That was in a that was a European campaign that was almost viewed as a, a kind of a pointless distraction because Liverpool were were struggling so badly in the Premier League. So the, the difference then compared to now is absolutely huge and um, you know it has been a long a long old haul over those eight years to transform the club's fortunes. And of course Klopp I think more than anyone has, has contributed to that with you know we're coming up to the third anniversary of his appointment. And um, yeah, I mean the the, the calibre of the squad now is you know, incomparable really. When you, you know, you look at the bench back then, eight years ago, you know, the likes of Nathan Eccleston and Joe Cole to call upon. You know, now we're talking about you know players of the calibre of Shakiri and and Sturridge and Keita and Fabino that, that, that can't even get a game regularly at the moment. So um, yeah, when Liverpool came here last time, they were they were you know, 
not far off one of their lowest ebbs in the modern era. Now, now they they come back here well and truly amongst Europe's elite, and uh, you know Napoli, Napoli know that they're that they're going to be in for a, a tough night because you know it was interesting reading the comments from their president after the draw was made. He was he was furious with UEFA that Liverpool were in the third pot of seedings because he said you know it's ridiculous that a, a team that good that got to the final were in the third pot. You know they they felt hard done by to get Liverpool, and that's because. Uh, they know what this clock team are capable of producing when they click. And the local taxi drivers don't sound too confident either. <laughs> no, they don't. No, that was a bit of a bizarre one earlier. No, I don't know. He, um, yeah, he's, he was very, very down. Whether whether it's, of course, they're going into the game on the back of a 3-1 defeat at the, at the hands of Juventus. There's no love lost between uh, Napoli and Juventus. And, uh, of course, they were just picked to the title last season by Juventus. And I think... And I think the feeling was like, you know, come like here we go again. We're, you know, we're not going to be able to compete with them. Um, but yeah, bizarrely, he wasn't having Ancelotti this taxi driver. And I've had a few, you know, a few people have have, have been quite friendly and, and chatty ahead of the game in cafes and stuff this afternoon. And the, bizarrely, there doesn't seem to be too much love for Ancelotti, which I find very hard to <laughs> understand when you look at what he's achieved. You know, he's one of the all-time great managers and. Um, you know, Liverpool have had a huge amount of history with him, of course, with Istanbul and and Athens, and um, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's just going to be another intriguing battle. Um, you know, Napoli aren't unbeatable here. They've you know, they've they've had a few a few defeats, um, but you know, I think what's going to be key is Liverpool starting well because yeah, this place will be absolutely rocking come kickoff. But um, you know, that was also the case in in places like Rome and and Seville and. And um, Moscow that Liverpool went to last season. So this group of players do have decent experience of playing in places like this, and it brought out the best in them en route to Kiev last season. And hopefully, we'll be talking about a similar episode uh, come the end of Wednesday night. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Napoli will go into tonight's match on the back of a 3-1 defeat to an all-conquering Juventus side who have won Serie A for the last seven seasons. So to get the feeling of the mood inside the club, I spoke to Marco Giordano, who covers Napoli on a daily basis for the Calcio Napoli 24 digital and web channel. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi Marco. Thank you very much for joining me to look ahead to the Champions League match between Napoli and Liverpool. Liverpool are in really good form. How are Napoli playing? Napoli is playing in a very good way before the match against Juventus. The match against Juventus was a great match for the first 20 minutes of Napoli. Before this, uh, this 20 minutes, uh, Napoli has not the force, had not the force to uh, fight against Juventus because Juventus now is one of the most important team, one of the most important um, roster in the world uh, with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, and with many other players. But Napoli uh, made some mistakes, important mistakes, in particular in defence and space. Yeah, but apart from that, though, it's been pretty good, hasn't it? I know there was the draw with Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League, but apart from that defeat to Juventus and the defeat to Sampdoria, is it, are, are people happy with how Napoli are playing in the in the league? Uh, after Maurizio Sarri, uh, after when Maurizio Sarri left Napoli, Napoli, um, Napoli fans um, were was not so happy because they uh, didn't know which is the future. Uh, so, with Carlo Ancelotti, uh, in the first 
days of Carlo Ancelotti uh, manager of Carlo Ancelotti manager uh, is not very happy Napoli fans were not very happy Napoli fans but after some matches uh, we know we understand that the, the possibility to obtain for example the second or the first place in Serie A is, is possible and also it's possible uh, to do a great campaign in uh, European uh, championship for example in Champions League or in Europa League if Napoli uh, will go in the third place of this uh, of this group of this stage of course so Ancelotti he took over Napoli in the summer a manager Liverpool know well has the team's style of play changed at all because we we can see yeah. how Sarri plays now with Chelsea is, is Ancelotti is it yeah. a bit different yeah, uh, the style is different because Ancelotti doesn't want one style. Ancelotti uh, wants that Napoli has many styles to play, many ways to play uh, to play his football. Uh, for example, uh, Napoli plays with uh, three uh, forwards or two forwards with uh, four midfields or three midfields. Um, there is no Jorginho, for example, in Napoli that uh, gives to the team the time to play. Now it's different because there is many ways to play in a different way. Uh, Napoli doesn't want to give to the so opponent uh, to uh, the player who, who give uh, who play against the possibility to read his way to play. This is the most important characteristics now in Napoli. Who are the who are the best players for Napoli at this moment in time? Who are the biggest dangers to Liverpool on Wednesday night? Mm. Of sure, Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne is now is the most important Italian player. Uh, his close uh, is uh, about uh, two hundred million. So uh, this is this value, and his value uh, in, in, against Juventus, uh, he doesn't play his best match. But uh, in Champions League, in particular at San Paolo, uh, generally Lorenzo give, uh, gives his. Is best, and uh, we know that uh, is the most important dangerous play for uh, for Jurgen Klopp. But also Piotr Zielinski, uh, the Polish midfield, uh, is um, a play that Klopp loves very much. Yes. And he wants him uh, to Liverpool uh, two seasons ago. Yes, and is is he improved under Ancelotti, Zielinski? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's improving in mentality in particular, uh, not technically, but in mentality. And that is the, the most important uh, aspect to, to focus our attention. What's the impression of this Liverpool team in Naples in Italy? Um, in, in this moment, uh, we have the possibility to, to see every match of Liverpool. And um, we know that um, it's the mo- one of the most important in the world, Liverpool in the mo- in this moment uh, is uh, the same level of Manchester City, and uh, its level is superior to Chelsea or clear in this moment are uh, Manchester United and other important uh, British teams. Um, Liverpool was the f- f- we played the final uh, last year and uh, only for uh, mistakes of uh, his goalkeeper uh, lost this final. So. Uh, we know that uh, Liverpool is strongest at Napoli. But, uh, there is a possibility to play against uh, in a very good way for, for Napoli. Uh, in, in this moment, uh, if I have any role, I bet on Liverpool, not on Napoli. It's clear. You mentioned the Champions League final last season and, and Loris Karius's mistakes. Yeah, uh, they, yeah, they went yeah, out and signed yeah. Alisson Becker from Roma. How good was he in Serie A for Roma? Um, Alisson Becker is probably the most important 
tenth goalkeeper in the world because he has again he have a, has an explosivity fantastic um, and um, the reason that uh, he was he, he is the most important goalkeeper in this moment because uh, Roma has a great a coach of goalkeeper is the most important in the world and uh, giving him the possibility to uh, become uh, Alison Becker at the moment and uh, Roma uh, after Alison Becker doesn't find the same goalkeeper also is not uh, the same level at the moment of course and, and there's been a change in goal for Napoli Pepe Reina a former Liverpool goalkeeper big favourite yeah. at Anfield he left in the summer do does does Napoli have a first choice goalkeeper now? Because looking at it, it they've kind of alternated between the two so far this season. Um, as you know, uh, Napoli goalkeeper at the moment is um, is Ospina, yeah. uh, and um, Napoli doesn't want Ospina at all <laughs> in the in the uh, because. Uh, the Napoli goalkeeper is uh, Alex Meret. Meret is one of the most important prospects in Italian football, but his injuries in the moment and probably uh, his injury is um, not um, easy to resolve in uh, in very very uh, few days. So Napoli uh, took uh, Ospina from uh, from Arsenal, but. At the moment, there is a problem for Napoli because uh, Ospina and Carnezis uh, played in, uh, in Watford uh, don't give to Ancelotti uh, the security that he wants. Yeah, so given that, is there a belief that Napoli can beat Liverpool on Wednesday night? Um, Napoli has his chance to beat Liverpool uh, tomorrow night, but it's a very, very difficult game for, for Napoli, for sure. Of course, and one final question. What will the atmosphere be like at the Stadio Sao Paulo tomorrow night? Uh, it's the first night that uh, in uh, that Sao Paulo was very, very uh, full of, uh, of passion because um, in the first Serie A matches, there's not great public in, uh, in Sao Paulo. Tomorrow night, it will be about uh, 40,000 people in, uh, in uh, Sao Paulo. It will be a great uh, atmosphere. Napoli wants Champions League night. And uh, tomorrow, I think that it will be a great uh, sports party for, for everyone because uh, Napoli fans are uh, also uh, able to appreciate um, great champions like Salah, Firmino, like Mane, like this. Brilliant. Marco, thank you very much for your time and enjoy the game on, uh, on Wednesday night. Thank you. Thank you to you. It's an honour. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We first spoke to John Solano in the summer as Liverpool prepared to break the world record for a goalkeeper on Alison Becker. John is the editor of the RomaPress.us website, but he has a knowledge of Italian football that is second to none. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, hi John. It's great to have you back on our podcast again. Are you keeping well? Uh, I'm doing great. Happy to be back. Thank you. Yeah, well, the last time you spoke was in the summer and you gave us a fascinating insight into Alison Becker just before or just as about as he was to sign for Liverpool. And uh, I think I speak for most Liverpool fans when I say that your confidence in him was and being a success at the club was, was definitely justified. How impressed have you been watching from afar? I, I've been thoroughly impressed. Um, I thought that he might need some time 
to adjust to a new league. Uh, obviously, the Premier League is much uh, quicker than Serie A, but he doesn't uh, seem to have missed the beat. Obviously, he had the the one mistake, but the the good thing is, um, and this was the case for him at Roma as well. He would make a mistake, but he doesn't alter his style. Um, he remains confident after doing so. So um, I was glad to see that even after uh, the error he had, uh, he continued to not be afraid to play with the ball at his feet. He remained confident. So uh, I'm not surprised at all, but I, I have been impressed with, with his adaptation to the league. So the big question is, will he be busy against Napoli on Wednesday night in the Champions League match between the sides? You know, um, despite Sarri no longer being there, they still play quite uh, attacking football. Now, Ancelotti, uh, really well known for his balance. We've seen it all over uh, Madrid, at Bayern, um, and it, it's the same case with him at Napoli. They don't play the possession style that we've seen in recent years, but they still play very, very attacking football. They like to get out wide. They like to play the ball on the flanks. And they play a little different now. Um, uh, Ancelotti doesn't like to use uh, Mertens to the degree that Saudi did. He likes to use Milik as a pure striker. But they still are a very strong attacking side. Uh, they showed their qualities against Juve at the weekend. Uh, I thought the scoreline was a bit harsh on them. There was a uh, questionable sending off from Mario Rui. So they are a, a very, very strong side despite Saturday no longer being there. And they have quality, especially in the midfield for me. And their, their questions are really at the back. Yeah. Do you think this Liverpool attack could probably have some joy against them? I know they're not firing on all cylinders at the moment, but do you think that's uh, an area that they could try and exploit? Certainly, certainly. Um, especially uh, Napoli, Mario Rui. He is. Obviously, they're they're missing a strong player in Fauci Kulam. He's been out with another knee injury, uh, and that has made Mario Rui the, the first choice. Um, for me, he's the one who they they really should target. He struggles at the back. Um, very good attacking left back. Very, very good attacking wise, but uh, defensively, he he has a lot of question marks surrounding him. Uh, obviously, uh, Koulibaly is very very strong. Arguably, one of the best defenders in all of Europe. Uh, Albiol, though, um, seems to have dropped off a little bit as he has uh, relative to recent years. Um, he's not at the level that he was last season. Still very good, but um, I, I think at the back is where is where Napoli, in my opinion, are most vulnerable. Um, even the goalkeeper position. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of your listeners probably familiar with Ospina from Arsenal. Um, he and uh, Karnatsis, who played at Watford for a little bit, uh, they've been switching back and forth um Ancelotti who um he purchased a, a very 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 highly rated goalkeeper in the summer uh Alex Meret who everybody dubs uh, the next Buffon as we tend to do here in Italy but um they've been switching Ospina Carnetsis have been switching back and forth um because Meret has been injured since the start of the season and Neither of them have performed brilliantly, and he's been switching them uh, match each match. And it's a little confusing um, because it, it's quite a worry to be in, in October and, you know, you haven't found cohesiveness at the back. So I, I definitely think, definitely think Liverpool can exploit uh, the fragility of, of Napoli at the back. 
You mentioned Carlo Ancelotti there. He was the replacement for Maurizio Sarri. Has he been brought in to, to win Napoli the title? You know, I think they finished second, is it, in Serie A in three of the past five seasons. Is is that what they want him to do? I think so, because if you look at this Napoli side, very young. Um, a lot of the, the players are in their mid-20s. And then if you look at Juve, a lot of aging talent on that side. Um, part of me thinks Ancelotti was brought in to ride the ship until this this run from Juve ultimately ends, which could happen in two years, maybe three years. Um, obviously, he has the pedigree that they haven't seen in Napoli for some time. Sarri was an unknown quantity before him. You had uh, Mazzari. So they haven't had a manager of Ancelotti's level. And I think he was brought in, yes, to win the title, but also to, to sort of wait out this Juve because they're just such a talented side. I don't see anybody beating them this season, probably next season. Um, but after that, again, you're going to have a lot of a lot of their defenders are going to be old. Chiellini, Banucci, um, they're getting up there in age. And obviously, Ronaldo is already in his... Uh, he's, he'll be, I believe, nearly 35, 36 at that point. So I do think that Ancelotti was brought in to win them the Scudetto. But I also to think keep them at a high level while sort of waiting out this Juve until their run eventually ends. Would it be fair to say we all know Juventus' quality that you've just talked about there? They've they've reached the final twice in recent years, but the clubs just below them, like Napoli and, and particularly Roma, which we, we all witnessed last season, are they getting stronger? They are. I, I, I do think they are getting stronger. Um, you know, the reason why Juve is just so much stronger than the rest, a lot of it has to, I mean, we could go on and on about this. This would be a, a, a two-hour long podcast, <laughs> but... Um, one of the uh, main reasons why is the stadium. Uh, Juve just have so much more spending power at their disposal because they own their own stadium. Um, in, in Serie A, only, I believe, three clubs own their own stadium. So the spending power that Juve have versus like the Napoli, uh, Roma, so much higher. Um, and we haven't even mentioned Milan and Inter, who are also both improving. Um, so, so I do think that... Where we are right now in City, I think a lot of these teams really are at the point where they're just waiting out this Juve um, because eventually this has to end. I mean, um, despite the spending power, there there is going to come to a point where Banucci, Chiellini, um, Ronaldo, they, they will no longer be there. Um, so I, I think where we are where we are right now in Italy is a lot of these sides just sort of playing the waiting game, keeping the quality high. Um, trying to qualify for the Champions League, but also sort of waiting until this run from from Juve wins. Because I think for this year, maybe next year, it, it seems almost impossible to beat them. Probably listeners who are similar age to me, mid-30s, unfortunately, uh, will have grown up with Serie A and Italian football on Channel 4 in, over here in England. And there was, I can always remember there were six, seven clubs in the race for the Segadetto. Right. Juventus, the two Milan clubs, Lazio, Roma, Fiorentina, Parma. How's the health of Italian football now? I know it's had its ups and downs, but is it is it getting a bit better? Is it getting stronger? Um, I, I do think it is getting stronger. A lot of this, again, has to go back to the stadium. Um, now, this is not anything we see in any other country. Uh, the bureaucracy in Italy to get a stadium built is just unseen, unheard of. Um, that's what we need from all the big clubs. Milan are trying to build the new stadium. Roma 
are very far advanced in their process of building a new stadium, but uh, the bureaucracy that's holding that up is just unheard of. There's been um, there's been some talk of that there were maybe some uh, pretty unsavory behavior into getting them the approval for their stadium. Napoli are looking to get a new stadium. So that's what Italian football needs. Italian football needs to have these clubs own their own stadiums. And again, it, it's probably very confusing for someone in the Premier League to um, think that, wow, how could a club not own its own stadium? But that's the case in Serie A. That's why the finances are so poor. That's why you have these clubs that just don't have the spending power like Juve. I believe it's Juve, Udinese, Sassuolo, and Frosinone are the only clubs in Italy to own their own stadiums. Um, that's what we need in Serie A. And until that happens, I, I think, or at least I fear, that Serie A is, is just going to sort of languish behind the rest um, you know, obviously England, uh, Germany, and Spain. So I, I think we'll, we will see a, a big jump in the next three to five years because I, I do think that within that time, we will see some of the bigger clubs get their stadiums built um, or at least approved and hopefully built. Um, but until that happens, I, I, I fear that Italy is sort of, again, going to sort of lag behind the rest in, in Europe. While we're, we're talking more broadly about Italian football, what was the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo like for the rest of the country and the rest of the clubs? Obviously, massive signing for Juventus, but did it go down well with everyone else in Italy? Or were they worried that Juventus would become even stronger because of it? Or did they see it as a good thing for the for the league? Uh, yeah, obviously, you had mixed emotions. Um, the In terms of just overall appeal for the league, I mean, there, there's just no doubting that this was something beneficial for the league. Um, the, the brand recognition that comes along with a name like Cristiano Ronaldo is, um, you know, you cannot deny it. So, uh, you know, in terms of broad appeal, it, it's, it's a good thing. But I, I do think that there was also a sort of a, a rich getting richer component to it. And many fans of, of rival teams felt almost defeated before the season even started. Um, last season, we saw a very good title race with Napoli mm-hmm. uh, in Juve. And I, I don't think we're going to get that this season. I, I think Juve are going to run away with it. Um, and I do think Ronaldo will, will be a big reason as to why. So in terms of just broad appeal, it was a sensational thing. I think a lot of people were excited about it. But if you, know, if you were a true... Uh, you know, diehard supporter of your of your club. Um, I, I do think there was a, a sense of defeat before the season even started. So it, there was some mixed emotions. But you know, me myself, I, I do think it's good. Um, where City A lacks behind the Premier League is commercially, and having a name like Ronaldo playing City A will obviously help that. So uh, no complaints from me. Um, but I could understand some of the the fans of other clubs having that sense of, oh, well, Juve are just going to run away with it again, which they, they probably will. From one superstar striker to another, Mohamed Salah, you watched him closely at Roma before he joined Liverpool, and he's probably, for the first time in his Liverpool career, having a bit of a dip, and he has set such incredibly high standards for himself. But did you ever see him go through a spell like this at Roma where it, it just wasn't quite clicking? Yes, um, I, I remember very... Um, very distinctly, he had a period when Rudy Garcia was still at the club. I believe this was the yeah, it was the 2015-2016 season. 
Um, in the in the late winter, uh, Roma were having a lot of trouble just scoring goals in general. Um, Salah, Dzeko, nobody was scoring. Um, but what you saw with Salah was sort of like Alisson. He just kept pushing. He didn't let it get him down. He didn't. Um, he didn't turn into a passive player. He kept being aggressive, trying to push the envelope, so to speak. So there, there were times. Now, granted, in, in that instance, a lot of it had to do with the manager. He was uh, sacked in January 2016. So I think a lot of that had to do with tactics. However, um, it was good to see during that time that he did not allow that to get to him because um, I think Jekko did. Uh, if you look at uh, his statistics from the 2015-2016 season. Um, and you can even go on YouTube and find compilations of the misses that Enigeko had. He let the lack of goals get to him. And you could see, you could tell in his performances on the pitch, he was just languishing. And you could tell that just something wasn't right with his mentality. Whereas Salah, I mean, he went on to be the most important player that season for Roma. So I, I think... As long as he keeps that mentality, continues to be aggressive, I, I think there will be no problems because we saw Roma um, and we saw, you know, we saw two drastic differences between him and Dzeko. Dzeko, um, he was completely lost that season, whereas Salah turned into, again, the most important player for the club. So uh, I, I would not worry at all. Brilliant, John. Thank you very much for your time and we'll catch up with you later again in the season if that's okay. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back after the Napoli match with our post-game podcast. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.